to side quests and we have back with us mr wesley chance and mr vincent reese this week we hope yeah i'm here all right good to hear from you west hopefully uh vince gets on with this technology pretty soon i know that we were having some technical difficulties early perhaps that's him like the pots and the pans in the background um yeah sorry <laughs> That's uh, that NPR level stuff we have. Is that you there, Vince? Sound wow, quality is good. All right. Okay. Yeah, you sound pretty good there, Vince, until that magical disappear plus like auto-tune sound that anger sometimes when people talk over each other by accident. Um, but, okay, so we got this time through the wall market, the fall of... Um, we, we started or we ended last time with um, Don Cornelio's and uh, we were talking about that and Wes, you were going to maybe tell us some, about what you saw in those sorted places because I've been playing the game so poorly that I missed that. Um, mm. And for this time, we got through the plate falling. We found out about the name Sephiroth, about the name Sentence, about the place Wu-Tai. Um, we saw some big musical scenes with the Aries theme going off while Omira told us about her tragic past and the tra we learned about the tragic present of Barrett and uh, just how war seems to create poverty and sadness and rip at the, the fabric of the family of a place um, and that it creates slums like the ones that exist there. And we also saw sort of a Shinra measure and meet the force of Avalanche in a way very similar to at the end of uh, Batman Begins when um, uh, Detective Gordon, then I think Captain Gordon, or soon to be Captain Gordon, uh, says, have you ever heard of Escalation? And he shows the Joker card to Batman. So we have a lot to talk about today and not a ton of time to do it. So what has been on your guys' mind? Vince, you finally got a copy of the game. That was good to hear. Oh, hell yeah. Um, I don't actually want to be talking with you guys. I just want to keep playing this game. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I made a commitment, honor, all that bullshit, whatever. Um, good man so noble, noble sacrifice how far did you get Vince are you like way ahead of us now did you just like keep playing way beyond uh, Shinra HQ well I know you losers aren't even to level 13 <laughs> yet right <laughs> I think I'm around 12 at least with cloud but I think that's sort of a limited perspective on your part to just think about the level of the highest character uh, clearly you're looking at uh, cloud pixel privilege there and not, uh, not it's typical little dude perspective where i just compensate by attaching to the highest ranking dude around me <laughs> that's that's good well okay so i wanted to dive into sort of a question <laughs> um Hold on, just uh just I, do have, I do have a real question though okay or so the one thing i noticed is that uh, battle mechanics and sort of where where each of us chooses. I was curious to see how you attack, if you guys defend, how you equip your people, uh, characters, and what, what do you think that means about the interaction with um, But this is more like a minutia, not with the storyline, I guess. That's a great question, I think. Wes, do you want to go first? I, I, have, an, I have an answer pretty quick. No, yeah, I was interested... Vince, you said something about you used some grenades fighting yeah. Reno. I never I totally didn't do that. I, that's not in my repertoire at all. Me either. But that's cool. Very smart. 
that's a way to do it. Um, I always just like I put cover material on Cloud so he mm -hmm. gets the most breaks, and I leave him in the front row. Um, I put other people in the back row generally, except Tifa. Sometimes I leave her in the front row too. Mm -hmm. um, I, give, I give whoever has, you know, sometimes Cloud or someone else, I'll give like fire and all materia so they can just end battles quickly oh, yeah. that way, get through the battle. But I mean, it's such an early stage of the game. There isn't really a lot of strategy even necessary at this point. Like just attack basically. Yeah. <laughs> just kill, kill, kill the enemy quickly and go on. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, I have possibly an even less sophisticated version of that. Just to mention sort of my strategy towards even purchasing there to show my sort of libertarianness, I try and get a, I try and get is a balanced amount of each of the items that I need. And uh, I think this is in one of the places that Final Fantasy shows its fantasy element. You buy potions and yeah. ethers and phoenix downs, which resurrect you, which I did not understand at all as a very foolish and poorly educated. 14 year olds i was like phoenix down okay i just accept that and that's another interesting thing about the game right how much <laughs> you just accept but um but i try and get a balanced amount of that and i remember that you can actually get depressed in this game and you can get hyper and you need to take essentially pills yeah. for that um <laughs> which is an interesting foreshadowing to you know uh the epidemic going through us our opioid epidemic in america right now if video games as stories are agglomerations of that of embodied experiment experiences over like say a civilization level of body of people, then it would make sense that video games as a representation of what is happening in the world at that time would prefigure what would uh, yeah, continue to happen or get bigger. Um, and so you know, then it makes sense that what happens in the video game might happen in the world a little bit later because it's, it is already happening when the video game has produced it. We just have failed to recognize it by that point. Um, sort of like cancer at middle stage. Uh, you just don't catch it soon enough. And hope, perhaps video games help us to catch these things so that futures that would be that are terrible and full of Shinra and Mako mm -hmm. never, never, come, never come to be. Um, but... Um, my battle strategy, I also do the fire and all. I think that's epic. Um, Wes, I really like that you put everybody in the back except for Tifa. I think that's smart. I didn't even think that that probably doesn't even hurt Barrett's attack uh, power because of his uh, because he's a remote shooter. He's, uh, you know, yeah, he, shoot, he can shoot, so I suppose the bullet loses a little bit of speed, but whatever. Um, I thought that was smart. Uh, but, yeah, just like you, I'm mostly just going fast. And something I would add that I think is a good strategy especially since we're playing through like this. Have you guys affected the battle and speech text speed yet? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Oh, really? I didn't do that yet. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I forgot that you could do that. Yeah, I had for sure done that as a seventh grader. It's funny to what extent <laughs> I would actually explore things more at that point rather than trying to stick to the traditional narrative. And actually, I did want to bring that up. So, yeah, you can do that, Wes, and that's really nice. So then the battle speed up a little bit. Nice. But um, but uh, I was I was talking to Wes in the pre-show about yeah. how I'm sort of speeding through this game because I'm trying to get to these next points. It's it's a very different experience from when I was playing as like a way to form my personality and character as a 14 year old. Um, I played with love then. Now I sort of play, I play with less love and with some nostalgia. But 
I, I realized that I wasn't getting the full experience out of the game by digging into the nooks and crannies that I used to when I was younger. I wasn't exploring mm-hmm. to the same extent uh, as I had. And because of that, I was missing things in the game. And, and then I had, boom, a big realization. I was like, when do you get to the good point of the game? And the answer is never, because the whole game is good. There's not like one part that really stands out above others. I mean, there's some epic CGI uh, animations that we'll see that I think mm-hmm. are, are, do stand out. But it's like the, these times in this game are the best times in the game, in a way. You're with mm-hmm. Tifa and with Ares. Most people are still alive except for Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse now. You know, and we can have a lib- libation for them. But I'm like rushing through this in the same way that I find perhaps a modern adult rushes through life. So are you rushing through because of just outside time commitments or, uh, or another reason? That, that's a big one. But I, th- I think it's not only outside time commitments, but also just a turn of consciousness that's occurred. That in becoming more goal-directed, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting the sort of superordinate goal of exploring that which you think you know as a as a person and you know that's sort of the point of relationships with people like you and Wes too right like whenever we have a conversation we realize there are depths to our personalities that we we hadn't accessed before that perhaps weren't even manifest in the world and so in this game it's like I can claim to know it in that I'm moving from one point to the other but I miss layers of meaning like I I started talking to characters in the Walmart the NPCs yeah. You know, partly because of your discussion about NPCs and what we turned that into last week. And they were all traumatized. Every single one of them was bringing up the fact that what happened in Sector 7 was deeply troubling. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were their emotions were destabilized to the max. Um, and it was just interesting seeing that, that that's how you can tell that a community has been shocked by an action, by the fact that each and every one of them... <clears throat> is expressing themselves in the same way. They're now talking about the same subject that um, there does seem to be a very deep unity that uh, you can't argue away between people. And when it comes to emotional stability or uh, events like 9-11, Tower of Babel level events (laughs) where things collapse that you never expected ever to, whether they be physical uh, ceilings or intangible fallings of like say laws or customs can it it puts you in a position that you don't know how to act in you're stunned dumb shocked okay can i speak to that really quickly yeah so one thing i noticed um and this happened back when we were in don corneo's bedroom so good memories the 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 character on how could i forget that moment it was beautiful (laughs) me and don corneo so, on his bed, you have a Chinese character. I brought up uh, Nyu and uh, Nan last time, uh, man and woman for the gym and the brothel. Mm. But this character is Tian, uh, Sky, Heaven. Um, ah, I know that from the I Ching. <laughs> so, Already we have this image of heaven that is attached to Don Corneo's bed. This is the heaven for him. And 
I'm not really, we can explore that if we want, but what I'm interested in is later when people are speaking of heaven or the sky, they're speaking in terms of the sky falling. Uh, not the plate crashing down, not the city falling, but the actual sky, this sort of firmament, this everlasting thing uh, above right. them. And meteor will come as well from above, and Genova came from above. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's actually good. We already have this um, descent from the sky downwards, um, even in dropping cloud from this Tien bedroom into the uh, sewer. But I guess what I was curious is about this change in the natural world where the natural sky is replaced by an artificial sky that takes on some some new this is sort of um hazy to me right now i wanted to throw it out to you guys and sort of get your thoughts on that yeah wes i i want you to hit that and i want to throw out a couple things i want you to hit with it what about harry potter in that talk yeah I'm, i'm very averse to hitting things in general but i'll speak to vince's point so the the couple of scenes that you get downstairs uh or not downstairs sorry i always confuse them but it's in the honeybee lounge area Mm -hmm. um down at the bottom yeah of the wall market so if you do go in there with the membership card before you go to the don's mansion and do the whole stuff with him in his torture chamber and in his heaven bedroom then you get to see a couple of very like disturbing and like quasi messianic scenes Mm -hmm. going on in the in the honeybee lunch right because if you look through the keyhole in one of the rooms i think to the right of this kind of circular antechamber there's um some kind of crazy fantasy being played out there which seems to involve uh shinra like president shinra or someone very high up in shinra um having this fantasy of being the like savior figure for their society um, and there's like lightning flashes going on and this sort of uh, mythological religious language that's being like chanted by the people in there with him. Uh, and f- probably f- you're grateful that you can't see anything very distinctly at that point. Um, but you sort of like are freaked out by that. Um, and so to your your point about the heaven thing, it's like there is some pretty overt language about the promised land and, mm-hmm. and that sort of typology of heaven um, that is invoked in that very bizarre way early on there, um, but then more and more distinctly as, as you get more pieces of the story falling into place uh, as you go along. Yeah, that's right. And you get we got in this, uh, this playthrough Singh mentioning the promised land, which the ancients would take us to, a place of supreme happiness. Mm-hmm. And... We will, yeah, and, and as we go, we will get um, this character Sephiroth talking uh, about that concept as well. And so what I'm sort of finding interesting about the idea of Shinra as sort of a prophet and speaking this prophetic language and sort of uh, being sort of a pseudo-political slash super corporate, like new sort of god entity, and I think Shinra does actually mean god in Japanese, is that what we, what we seem to have in this episode is sort of an Old Testament, fairness-based God, a God of justice, in that 
Shinra strikes back precisely in the way that they were struck by Avalanche. Um, that they indiscriminately will strike in the same way, in the same way that, like, say, humans imitate and iterate each other's behavior, so do uh, terrorists slash corporate governments. It's almost like they're like what it was also on Don Corneo's rug, the twin dragons that were mm-hmm. intertwining with each other, like a DNA symbol or symbol of infinity. And that, that's a mirror symbol and that, that the, the person in front of you is embodied in the same way that you are and feels the same pain that you are and can understand the same truth that you do as opposed to what the postmodernists say. And so the, I feel like well, part of well, the what idea do they there, say? Well, it doesn't matter because what they say has little worth. So <laughs> it'll pass away in the way that the wind does. And that, that can be justified by the fact that none of their papers get cited anymore, even by their friends. And so, you know, they can make fun of our numbers, but their numbers are pretty small too. Um, that said, if Avalanche uses violence to try and deracinate Shinra, well, the natural response of Shinra is to use violence back. So, so it reminds yeah, go on. So I have a question with that because... I'm going to rephrase this. Um, are, are we presupposing that Shinra has not committed violence in the past that is being responded to by Avalanche? I think the scale of the violence is, is shown to be different from what it has ever been. Like People say, I never thought they would let the plate fall. And they're, they're shocked and traumatized. I, I, I'm not blaming Avalanche for this so much as trying to illustrate potentially a universal uh-huh. human principle that when you enact violence against somebody, it is almost impossible for them to turn the other cheek. Oh, okay. I understand. I understand. Thank you. And, and to pursue, I mean, it's precisely because that's almost impossible that that's a Christian maxim, right? That, that if you yeah. enact violence on somebody, most likely what is going to happen is things are going to devolve into conflict. But if you are really smart, like Jordan Peterson says, and like Zeus and Athena show at the end of book 24 of the Odyssey when they stop the battle between the suitors' families and Odysseus, because Odysseus justly killed the suitors, but their families mm-hmm. want revenge, which is also mm-hmm. justice. And they both have just and fair claims. And so they can get violent, which means that you can always find a just claim for war, but it's never good for you because, again, it destroys your families and makes you poor. Um, then, uh, what you really should be aiming for is peace, not, not justice in the fairest possible sense, not I'm going to hit you, you're going to hit me back. Um, yeah, well, that's yeah. the way that it seems like Barrett's whole ideology is basically right. You know, like Shinra has attacked the planet itself and the source of life, right? And it doesn't know how bad that's going to be in the long run. And so he's like, by any means necessary going to stop that from happening but like you point out his way of going about that being flashy and explosive and destructive is a way which has to be superseded by the rest of the game right the 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 way that this plays out is through like the development of character um and that becomes the great weapon uh against shinra and like the real enemies which emerge in the course of the adventure I think, and I think there's great evidence for that and how Myra reacts when she hears that Barrett left Marlene alone. Hmm. She says, how could you do that? And he says, well, I'm trying to save the planet no matter what. 
And that seems to be like sort of like the, the traditional father sort of position, right? He has to stay away from the family for 12 hours a day working hard in order to save the planet, which is whatever his company does. Um, but in doing that, he sacrifices the most precious thing in the world, which is time with his family. We're also uh, going to find out later, though, that this isn't the only reason why he's fighting, though. There's a deeper... Mm, I don't know. Th- this is a cover-up. This is a psychological cover-up, I think, of mm. Barrett. Um, idealized justification as opposed to the more um, earthly justification that we'll get later. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but I think that's also an interesting thought to keep in to keep in mind when you think about the seemingly noble intentions of people who justify terrorism by a concern for justice. Because what is lurking at the bottom of Barrett's mind, revenge might well be what is lurking in the mind of say someone who claims to be an environmentalist, but is really an anti-humanist who says something like, well, because humans pollute the planet, humans are a pollution on the planet and thus humans should be, or the planet would be better off without us. And and I feel like there's a place for that argument within this game because there is an actual reaction by the planet against the humans at one point. Um, So we're, we're, we're pretty far away from that. That, that said, I want to ask y'all a question. It's, it's sort of funny. I remember when I first got this game, right before I got this game, and I know I was getting it for Christmas because I'd asked for it, and uh, we were clear on that in my household at that time. And <laughs> I had I played a Game Boy version of like Final Fantasy Legend 3. I'd beaten that game fairly quickly. I think it only took some like 10, 12, 14 hours. Is that so the one with Death X? Uh, it might have been. I, I think it might have been. There was only one tough boss, and he was he was on a bridge, of course, in, in front of a a fortress and it took me a while to beat him um, because I wasn't very conscientious. But, um, but when final fantasy seven came and I played that alongside Tony Hawk, which is what I did to chill out my mind after final fantasy seven messed me up too much. And um, I would, uh, when I got to the end of the Mitgar section, uh, it took me probably seven to 10 hours. Yeah. I thought I had dang near been the game. Like yeah, right. I thought, because it had been my entire world, my entire known territory. And just to find out that, yeah, right, man, you're way back in the beginning. Uh, it was shocking, almost, to me. How was that for you? I mean, and it's going so fast for me this time. Now it doesn't seem... <clears throat> it's, it's almost like the difference between going through anything as an adult versus as a kid. It's like it's not imprinting now, so the experience isn't as naturally meaningful. I don't know. What did you guys think about that? Or have you experienced something like that? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, the scale of the game is on a totally different level, right? It's got three separate CDs worth of data that you, you know, but so with, um, with the whole like thin a world thing too, you kind of get the first glimpse of that at this point in the game, you can, um, you can go out past the church where you met Eris and you can see the outside for the first time oh. in like this big, you get to this big field and the view of the camera is from so far away. You can't even see yourself when you emerge. All you see is like the blight of the city and then a little bit of like green and blue sky out at the very edge of the, the screen, like the panoramic view. And so 
you you kind of like get this like little bit of the um overworld theme there too like for the first time you can hear that um kind of motif um but it's muted and you're still within the the fence around the city um and and i found that yeah very like evocative of um this idea that you're you're sort of stuck in this kind of prison of the um industrial thing which is very far from what you might expect going into a final fantasy game and then mm. only once you complete this area uh which takes a pretty long time do you get like the actual final fantasy like experience that you might have been expecting right like the uh, over yeah and the first or... thing you see is a chocobo you yeah, a chocobo so farm so you get some yeah. fun immediately a, like a great reward yeah yeah that's uh totally. and that, it does unlock the it unlocks several new experiences for you and i know that's something you want to talk about too um uh vince sort of the midgard theme and the i mean we will run into the midgard serpent soon our first chocobo farm and and we'll go on a little vacation to the beach if i recall correctly um and i think we meet the infernal hojo there who uh, <laughs> uh who yeah and I, I i like that perspective that you had there um west because i i remember coming out there and seeing that sort of desert on the outside and hearing the sort of semi-gloomy like so many of the light motifs in this uh, in this game uh, world theme, and and recognizing that that's sort of like what childhood is when you're in the zone of proximal development. You can mm -hmm. see the future and what you're growing out to, but you're not yet capable of attaining to it. Or perhaps even you're you can see what you can see where someday you will be, but for the moment you're still kept within sort of an estuary. You're kept within the boundaries of perhaps your own perspective. And I, I was wondering whether that that's sort of a comment that the game is making and that that is a way in which Final Fantasy VII shares in the typical motif of there being a hometown which you need to leave in order to become the hero you're going to be. Um, that what you have to do is grow out sort of your individualistic, haughty, childish perspective and see yourself as a speck on the map and see just how how big the world is and just how weak you are in it. And uh, then you're, then you're ready to operate within the real space, which is the world. And you can leave the estuary. You can, you can have your, you can be uh, flushed down out of your, 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 your bath in the matrix. <laughs> it's like, now you're ready for the real world. And now you're going to, and the, the first big enemy you run into or actually try and avoid, which I think is even more significant is, it's a big ass snake uh, <laughs> called the Mickard Serpent, of all things. Um, yeah. Vince, what do you think of all that? You've been oddly silent. I think we lost Vince. Oh, we might have lost Vince. That would explain why he was so quiet <laughs> for this amount of time. Um, I know. You tried to throw out to him the Midgard Serpent a couple times there. He didn't bite. Um, I hope he yeah. comes back. Uh, I did want to go back to something. Oh, Vince, are you back? Well, go on, go on, Wes. Uh, something about the the point he made about like purity of intentions or motivations. Uh, that that struck me with the image of um, Eris being kidnapped and uh, taken in the uh, the helicopter where you you see that she's been captured by the uh 
by the Turks after all those years. Uh-huh. Right. And so for, for cloud um, and Barrett and Tifa, the, the motivation for going up against Shinra has shifted at that point from right. destroying them because they are sucking the lifeblood of the planet to we have to rescue Eris, right? Because she has proven to be such a trustworthy, uh, good, good friend to to everybody in different ways, right? So right, it like makes it also like line up a lot more with the um, with the kind of rescue the princess archetype rather than a a, a weird like mixed up kind of terrorist organization thing going on. Right. They they said the moral moral high ground starts to shift back towards them and they develop a, a connection to a personal a, a person rather than just a disembodied idea of freedom and it also makes me wonder and i you know again just a hypothesis here whether aries or the princess as archetype that you as archetypal goal that you strive towards is mario or as um you know zelda or excuse me link in pursuit of zelda right. um who is of course wisdom like beatrice or, you know, or Athena. Um, it makes me wonder whether what the princess archetype is, is the, the anima as Eros or as the principle of connection. The goal itself is what brings the people together in connection so that they can trust each other and pursue um, the most exciting thing in their life together. That which releases dopamine into their system, uh, incentive reward, because all of you are grouped together in pursuit of the same goal. So you share in all the same good things together. Although like, just like at the end of a battle, right? You all have your specific dance that that comes out. And um, Vince, did you make it back? Hey, am I here? You are here. So so good to be back. What was lost is now found. You're like the philosopher's stone. That's great. That's excellent. All right. So Vince, I'm just gonna finish this point really quickly, and then we want to ask you about the Midgard serpent. Please. But um, but I was suggesting that um, the princess as archetype, and Wes brought up that Ares is now sort of like a princess who has been kidnapped, who is now sort of legitimized the goodness <laughs> um, of of the Avalanche members, or rather, they now have a new purpose towards which they are unifying their efforts, and that that purpose is a far more archetypally rpg slash video game yeah it's more theme, like rather. uh mario right right and i, I mentioned that oh, and so yeah. i was suggesting that the principal the prince itself or the princess is the goal which is the anima or eros the principle of connection between the team members that which mm-hmm. binds them together in pursuit of the same thing and so the captured princess is is basically the, the incentive that draws you into life with others and creates uh, a powerful bond between you. So yes. I was interpreting Aries as sort of the spiritual bond that will develop between the party members. And I would add emphasis for that as what happens at the end of disc one, though I won't talk about that yet. Can, can, can I do a talk now? Go please. Oh, okay. So one thing, um, where, where are we all right now in the game? I'm just curious to where I can go. Are we stopping um right after uh the fall of uh plate seven or whatever we're up to the the entering into shinra hq uh-huh okay have have either of you guys gone into shinra yet not yet i'm not anywhere 
beyond the gate. Okay, so just may- maybe next time uh, I want to put a bookmark in this question because if you take the stairs, you see exactly what Alex is talking about become manifest um, in their speech interactions. And it's a, it's a very interesting time. Um, what, what I was about to make another mistake and just run right in there, by the way. So yeah. add that to the list of misbehaviors on my You're part. welcome, dude. Um, Thank you. So one thing, too, with this new bonding that's coming out, I thought it was very interesting when we're on the support column, when we're um, right. up, even with Wedge as he falls. This is when Cloud really begins to um, associate even more with those around him. He became, um, I I don't know, uh, I guess connected with Eris after he was her bodyguard. Then we see his surprise um, at Tifa when she's behind the Chocobo um, Mm. cart wagon. And increasingly we have these greater levels of connection that are forming. And now it seems I... There's this huge connection created through the deaths of this old avalanche team. And have you guys already spoken yes. on this? I don't want to take up airtime if you have. Uh-uh. No, no, this is good. Um, so what I was curious about, and I was talking to my roommate about this uh, just a, a week ago or so, was the scene preceding the Iliad with Iphigenia and Agamemnon where you have this great sacrifice, this great death that um, that is voluntarily taken, but nonetheless ruins um, Agamemnon and also means that he can't leave Troy without winning or being absolutely defeated. This seems not exactly like that, but there is this great sacrifice that now makes these surviving members of Avalanche have to rededicate themselves to a task that is no longer just the world, um, but but is, is their friends. And they cannot step back now. This is sort of a threshold moment for Cloud, Barrett, Tifa, Eris, um, in a way that really wasn't present before they cannot stop now i like what you say about threshold moment when you say threshold moment are you speaking like of the roman janus the god of doorways and gates that it's a moment after which things can't go back to the way they once were yeah absolutely and so i think that's fascinating because i think this game is full of those sorts of moments and that our lives themselves are full of such moments that after something has happened Things are not the way they once were, like, say, after a breakup, you're treated completely differently by the person from how you were when you were together and you were a promising potential husband. Now you're just a, you know, soon to be discarded, soon to be NPC sort of character. And maybe that's even the best outcome. (laughs) And uh, so that makes me wonder just about, there was a question I was asking beforehand (laughs) And it was about the NPCs, and I guess I started that at the beginning, and so I, in our Montaigne sort of way, we're finally getting there Fuck yeah. as we roll Montaigne. along. Fucking big dick energy. It, and, and so 
Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse always seem to me rather vague characters. Like, mm-hmm. you never get a character arc stencil of them. You never see them um, uh, portrayed in CGI in a detailed way. Mm-hmm. And so a question I was asking that I, th- I was interested in both of your answers on was, do you think that what makes them so indistinct as characters is that they are indistinct and undeveloped as characters and people, or that it, that is Cloud's perception of them because they are not as close to him or as useful to his goals uh, in in the same way as Tifa and Barrett are. Hmm. So are they indistinct because of his sort of subjective perception of them, or are they just sort of objectively indistinct? Well, I have uh, a quick question about how we've been interacting with Biggs, Jesse, and Wedge before this moment, before they are uh, ir- irretrievably taken from us. Um, how, how have you guys just tried to interact with them in some of the scenes where you're among them and yes. choose? Okay, so what are the things that you've noticed when you've spoken to to them? Well, Jesse seems to be working on me a little bit, and uh, trying trying. She seems to not buy the whole tough guy act, and she's very kind. Mm-hmm. Um. And it seems to be what I'm getting from her. I, 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 I guess I focus less on Biggs and Wedge, romantic at heart. <laughs> I mean, what have you seen Wedge is Wedge. thick, though. <laughs> yes. You want that. He, uh, one of them, I forget which, mentions about how many of their agents um, must have died to get the codes that they used to get into the reactor. Hmm. Um, I forget who says it. It might be Jesse, but it could be one of the other two. Um, the others are, I think, yeah, less, even less developed, even more sketchy, and pretty much just what, what you said, like they're distinguishable only in terms of how they look. Um, I, I do get the sense, though, that um, Biggs, the the skinny one, <laughs> is yeah. is kind of like yeah, twink. He's like a proto. He's just a, a proto um, cloud, basically, right? Like he's trying to be tough and trying to do stuff, but really has very little ability or idea what's going on. Okay, so then I would like to contrast that with that is a proto um, cloud, uh, illusion cloud. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and Wedge is actually the real cloud, say the 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 pre um, PS PTSD uh, Vietnam cloud <laughs> um, because wedge, if you talk to him right when you get back to seventh heaven, um, he talks about how he's someday don't, going to be something. He's going to be famous one day. And that's exactly what we see young cloud um, talking to ah. Tifa at the well at. So maybe, I think they definitely like there's there's not a lot of character, but we can also infer um, a a whole world or part of a world from these small interactions. One thing that I noticed with uh, Jesse is she does seem to be putting the moves on cloud, but she also seems to be really stressed out about something. Mm. Um, you whenever cloud when you go to speak to jesse she's always talking to herself it sounds like she's calculating something or mm-hmm. trying to figure out moves um to predict what someone else is doing and it's very vague 
but when she notices you there, she she sort of freaks out and tells you to stop listening. And I always, I didn't get a romantic sense from those uh, voyeuristic interactions. Huh, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what to say about that. It's very interesting. I've never thought so deeply about um, them, but it makes me think of sort of a dark question, a Ooh. Slytherin Ooh. class wow. question. Uh, forbidden books question, ah. which would be, if Wedge is still dreaming at this age, is there some comment on the speed at which you have to progress your dream to reality if you want to be successful in the world, that those people that fail to do so will continue to live within their dreams as long as they're alive and will never escape that initial perspective like the hero will. And that the reason you want to individuate and differentiate yourself is because you actually do have a limited amount of time and nature is going to eat you at some point and it's going to eat you faster if you don't do that. Yeah, I mean, I think you can contrast his fall from the um, top of the support girder Yes, being looked over by Eris, but it's already too late for him, really. And the fall that Cloud has a bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Ah. Very, very close parallel. Um, and cl- clearly Cloud gets the, the best of the of the comparison, right? Like, right. As you point out, Eris is not long for this world either. <laughs> so you got to <laughs> get out there and meet her sooner rather than later. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, that almost makes me wonder whether the comment is even more symbolically general in that moments only last for so long. And you can either, and this is something I suppose we've talked about, we've talked about in terms of side quests themselves. You can either, and Vince, I think you made this point very well, that the choice seems to be how well you embody the situation. Not, you don't get to dictate what the situation is, but you get to play the your part as well as you can and this game seems to be so much about substitutions right cloud is pretending to be zach he's pretending to be a soldier someone he's not barrett is mm-hmm. the adopted father of marlene elmira is the adopted mother of aries everybody seems to be a substitute somebody taking something somebody consciously choosing to take a role onto themselves which is making me wonder whether what a hero truly is is somebody who consciously chooses to do something and sticks with that choice forever and i also think that's what marriage is so congratulations wes <laughs> far out i like that a lot it's pretty meta also right like as the person playing the game you start doing that unconsciously it's like this is a fun thing to do but more and more as you look at what you're doing you realize that you're consciously and maybe like with the intent of understanding consciously taking on this role and playing this this role to the best oh, of your ability. And you, we do take ownership more and more for our characters. And that references what I think Vince said earlier, or no, what you said, that you develop character during the course of the game. And you actually have objective measures like your your level, right? You, you objectively get better at things. That's a, it's almost like what the development of character is, is what the conscious decoration of a Christmas tree is you consciously add certain habits and modes of behavior to yourself in order to be the person the world needs you to be at that moment. Are, Are you hyperventilating bits? Uh, no, no, I, I'm just trying to, that, that's, that's my thinking breathing. 
Um, <laughs> as long as you're, as long as it's your thinking, breathing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm on no fap, so you don't have to worry. Uh, so, what one thing that we were discussing in sort of our unconscious. And you have about a minute, Vince, oh, because we we have time constraints today. So make it make it count. Really distill it down with that philosopher's stone. Okay, so I guess what I want to throw out there is this idea of a essential individual versus a idea of an individual um, with a role that is determined by the constellations of others around him. And we spoke about this a little bit in our unconscious messenger to this conscious (sighs) podcast. And uh, I'm interested in that because of my studies of... uh, um, uh, Mahayana Buddhism, especially with uh, Vimalakirti um, and Nagarjuna, which are two uh, great thinkers that have to deal with this idea of essentialism or like an actual individual and a being or no being or nothingness, or are we thinking about those two things um, incorrectly? So, yeah, sorry, that's, guys. Yeah, that's. No, that's one hell of a question. I don't know if you want to take two minutes to tackle that, Wes, if you have two minutes. But if, if not, we have some serious homework, but I'd love to hear yeah. your thoughts. I, yeah, I think this is one of the most interesting things about revisiting the Japanese RPG games from childhood is that they place themselves on this knife's edge between that Taoist slash Buddhist slash whatever, like Eastern root mythologies and then western like narrative um mode and um certain tropes that go with that so like when you play these games you (laughs) you you run this very like tight balance uh between both of those um influences and i don't know enough about the stuff you're describing to really dig into your question much more beyond saying like this is a fascinating um, gateway, like these games, to to starting to actually read both the Western and the Eastern traditions of, of kind of great thought and thinkers and see how they can be put into communication and can tell mm-hmm. a new kind of story together. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a major project that I'm pretty interested in. I'd love to hear more about your travels in, in uh, China and whatnot as we go along here mm. and how, I mean, you, you, you clearly picked up a little of the language, at least. <laughs> Tiny other. baby. Uh-huh. Yeah. But far out, yeah, great question. You guys are making me think just one quick thing too. It's funny because when Peterson talks about um, Lucretius, he says oh. with Lucretius, it's not just everything made out of atoms. They're also the things that are made out of the collections of atoms, plus the swerve, the dissipated structures, swerve. like what a river like what a river is or what a tornado or a hurricane is. It's not just air. It's air moving in a certain very specific way that creates a very specific phenomenon that is anything but fake and very much real. And that potentially that what a human and what a society is and what the West has seems to have realized is that we're not the water, we're not the river, we're the river and the water. That we're not the air, we're not the tornado, we're the air and the tornado that we exist at both levels of analysis all at once within a general story and within a specific individual story as well. And that the narrative is sort of the space in which we exist, which we might call the world or God, 
or heaven in some ways, um, but that we are the live action player that is making the choices that's effectively altering the world at the same, uh, that is, we are helping to alter the world in the same time that we are acting within it. And so we're provided with the sort of logos or the ability to think so that we can see how those adaptations affect those around us and the world itself. I don't know. It's just, you guys are pretty fascinating individuals, so I can't wait to do this stuff more and more and more. Mm -hmm. It's like opening the treasure boxes that were hidden behind. It's like finding something hidden in the game each time, except for this is real treasure. Mm -hmm. So uh, well, really... Mm-hmm. And remember, Wes has to go. All this is a grace right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just want to say um, next time, Alex, make sure your phone is charged so we can start on time. Oh, yeah. Very good. Yeah. I'll make sure um, not to hold us up. I understand you're busy, but you, you really let us down. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like uh, 45 minutes is not enough time to spend talking to you guys. I always uh, sort of look forward to this. It's kind of the highlight of my day and oftentimes my week depending on if i you know see a shitty movie that week um, <laughs> thanks <laughs> no no well, i really know, mean like... it um but yeah uh so talk to you guys next week uh i could uh you know maybe i could even go sooner depending on how much you really need it vince you know if it's <laughs> If it's between this and opioids, <clears throat> you know, it's a public health concern to keep you, to keep you occupied. So, you know, yeah. physician, heal thyself. All so. right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then later, uh, yeah. we should talk. Sounds like. Yeah. And yeah. I look forward to these two events. I think one of the motivating reasons for this, besides my juvenile desire for greatness, was my, my very real desire for community. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that, so, you know, cute. I think we're, we're building what we're sharing in as we go through this and I, I really can't imagine a more Christian message than that. Um, though I'm not making any specific Christian claim, <laughs> except for that, except for that. I think that we nailed it in that, in that end. We understand that idea where two or three are gathered in the name of something. We are pursuing Aries and, uh, and the fairy princess. Yeah. Once, uh, earth, fire, wind, uh, water, and heart. Right. Captain Planet? Yeah. Very good. Oh, well, dissemble, dissemble Avengers <laughs> slash Planeteers. <laughs> Back to your video games, Vince. Right. See you guys. <laughs> See you guys.